This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Monday, 27th of February, 2023. Markets in a, a bit of a funk on Friday with the hot PCE data point there, the core inflation coming in uh, far above expectations in particular, plus 0.6 on the month-on-month and plus 4.7% year-on-year. And that was actually an acceleration uh, that was expected was plus 4.3 on the year-on-year and the prior 4.4 was revised higher to 4.6. So uh, unsettling here, this is the Fed's favored measure of inflation, uh, showing hotter than expected readings on what is the key, which is the core. And uh, we see U.S. yields going to new highs, uh, as, especially at the front end of the curve, as the Fed is marked higher, now marked at three-plus rate hikes of 25 basis points, and even some uh, probability of a uh, of a, uh, a 50 basis point hike at the March 22nd meeting coming into view around 25%. Probability expected. Uh, Uli, you're pointing to a slide four. We've got this uh, latest, uh, the, those latest adjustments to these expectations in here. Exactly. It just highlights the uh, the two year two year yield note, as uh, you mentioned, John. How the that the yellow line has been spiking higher recently, and with that also the expectation. So now the the peak is not in the June contract, but in the July contract, where we now or the July uh, Fed meeting, where we're now approaching uh, five forty. So uh, so three. Three rate hikes, more or less, priced in by now, and uh, yeah, it's basically all part of this this uh, hurting hurting sentiment that we're seeing across the board right now. Yeah, kind of interesting though, because we see, although we still see the dollar somewhat firmer uh, on the back of this, a little bit firmer. We're seeing risk sentiment bouncing this morning, Peter. And actually, I was just looking at an intraday chart, and we're effectively we we peaked out uh, on the bounce back right around the time of that PCE release, and that's about where we are as we're speaking here, or just before we came in here to record the podcast. Effectively. For the equity market, this PCE release did not happen on on Friday. But uh, I think also we're looking at this really critical uh, support that's been tested. The 200-day moving average was tested at the lows both for the NASDAQ 100 and the S&P 500. That's not reflected on the chart on slide two because that's the the future where the the prices are off due to fair value, et cetera. But yeah, it's just a the we're just in limbo here, we're waiting. Is this gonna is this market gonna capitulate or are we gonna manage to hang in there? I guess uh, is the key question here, isn't it? Yeah, I think the, I think last market, uh, sorry, last week was uh, was about that, you know, repricing of uh, of structural inflation. Uh, you see that very clearly in sl- on slide two, um, with the high duration equity themes falling the most, and then was also a week of geopolitical risk with the one year uh, one year mark for uh, Russia's of Russia's invasion uh, of Ukraine, and you know, the geopolitical risks are still are still lingering in the market. I would say. Um, Still a lot of uncertainty around China and China's position around this issue. So uh, you saw the defense and cybersecurity baskets being the two uh, relatively best performers, and defense being the only one that was up uh, in absolute terms. Uh, no, no, sorry, not absolute terms. Was was the only one that was up last week? That is the right expression. And 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 I would also highlight that you know the uh, the 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 core inflation number that suddenly spooked the market on the on, on structural inflation. We have been in this very weird phase where everyone was talking about structural inflation and that we would come back uh, and we had this belief yet again i think is this is this the third round of uh, you know inflation rolling over and and now we we questioning that theme again and uh, not to pat ourselves too much on the shoulders here but I, I think that we we have highlighted for i think three three months now four months actually this u.s services 
CPI uh, less energy, which is uh, 60% of the CPI basket, and others have pointed out, which is point out that Powell has, has been pulling out this uh, U.S. services um, CPI less shelter. And I, I don't give much, uh, I don't give much credence to this whole idea about removing the shelter. The shelter is a very important piece of your, of your, of your, I think your perception of what's going on in the economy and an inflation on you and your household budget. So removing shelter is, um, I don't buy that one. It's removing energy, which is more volatile. That make that makes sense for getting. And as we have said for for many months now, that the uh, the core inflation, when you strip out that in energy from the U.S. services sector, it is getting sticky and it's getting sticky at a very high level. So um, it's not. I, I'm not surprised, um, but I'm I'm very curious to see where the bond, bond market goes from here because that will dictate where equities go. Yeah, we still have that sense that the long end is relatively anchored. Yes, the ten-year, for example, in the U.S. came up on Friday. Uh, it sort of was looking towards the highs there, to just below the four percent level. But it's that invert. It just continues to feed into a, a more profound inversion of the yield curve. Still, the assumption that. Okay, the Fed does a bit more hiking, but we roll over aggressively next year because it'll be a recession, and maybe it's going to be worse because of how much the Fed is going to have to hike, and uh, we get back to uh, lower yields out to uh, you know out there over the horizon. So uh, the the structure, even though the uh, the levels are changing, the structure of what people the expectations are is not changing. Um, but as indicated, the dollar uh, with those higher yields firming, and especially firming against something like the Japanese yen after that uh, Ueda nomination hearing on Friday, in which it, it's clear that this is uh, going to be continuation of policy, uh, at least initially from the Bank of Japan, unless there's something to, to you know, prompt uh, otherwise, or prompt uh, other actions. And that means we get higher yields, we get a weaker yen. So the dollar yen is, is rising and pushing towards uh, the next big level, which would be the 200-day moving average, a bit above where we saw it overnight, 136.50 plus. And on slide three, you can see euro dollar. And I asked the question, you know, short short term, yes, we are in a dollar uptrend, but we can see how far we came uh, lower in the dollar from the uh, sub-96 levels in euro dollar all the way to uh, 110 plus. I think um, this working in some key levels for this uh, where we transition from this being a, a significant consolidation to potentially being something bigger. We can start with the sub-105 area, that uh, prior uh, pivot low, 104, 104.80, 38.2%. 38.2% retracement, 104.60, but the, the 200 moving average is uh, arguably a big one down there in the low 103s. Uh, looking elsewhere, it's, it's very interesting, and this is where I want to um, segue to you, Ole. We have, uh, to me, a sense that this uh, China reopening narrative is failing a bit, and you can see that expressed in the FX market in terms of uh, you know the FX board and some of the trend strength readings. So uh, first of all, the CNH, or the Chinese uh, renminbi uh, offshore, at least the offshore tradable one, is not following the dollar, which it often does in the past, is sort of a, a low beta dollar. So you would normally expect if the dollar is strong that the uh, CNH is, is somewhat firm relative to other currencies. It's actually a weak, broadly. And we have a very weak Aussie. That's more the classical risk proxy, uh, or, or not or not risk proxy, but it is a risk proxy often, but also a China proxy. In that very weak uh, silver price and silver trend there, and we've seen copper really rolling over as well. So uh, expression in FX and in commodities that... Uh, you know, it's just stumbling, at least narrative-wise, the whole China reopening story. Yes, and it just highlights how everything remains very correlated, and the market's uh, just struggling to, to to cope with this uh, recent uh, dollar strength and, uh, and and rising rates and yields, as we talked about. And um, it just also um, 
You mentioned uh, silver, and that's uh, in the metal space. Really, is the is the area where we're seeing quite a lot of the uh, the the stress coming in right now on slides five. You know, just highlighting copper and silver, and as you can see, copper bro- broke below that four dollar level on on the Friday. It has been a, in a key area for for a while, um, both on on the downside and recently on the upside as well. So um, so basically, in for a bit of a challenge here in the in the in the short term with the two hundred day moving average uh, potentially being the next. A major level of support that the market may focus on. So um, it all depends on whether we, when we manage to fairly quickly to reestablish some support above four dollars. But uh, it it really depends on on where the dollar goes from here. Same goes for silver. We it it had a very strong bounce uh, late last year. It started earlier than gold and lasted, uh, but lasted shorter. And since then, the silver has been underperforming gold by around sixteen percent. Uh, since uh, since December, basically, and uh, as you can see on the the chart as well, we're breaking several key levels of support. So um, gold is in, is having a, a a fight of its uh, not its life, but at least having a major fight once again to uh, to reestablish some some kind of uh, support, and that obviously has to come, I'll say, first and foremost from gold managing to uh, to stabilize. And so far, we're not seeing that. One area which is, I uh, suppose, in terms of falling prices, good news is the uh, is the agricultural space. We're seeing wheat prices breaking uh, further down. We've got uh, the chart that's highlighting the March contract, uh, which is expiring uh, shortly, but it's uh, nevertheless just highlighting the availability of supply here in the spot market, which is uh, elevated right now just uh, with Russian supply um, hurting or hitting the markets uh, across the board. And just recent, uh, the five recent tenders from uh, from Egypt, which is one of the world's biggest buyers of, of wheat, all went to Russia because they are, they are basically dumping price in order to compete. That's forcing European and U.S., uh, sellers to do the same and that's why we're in this uh, downward spiral right now and that's obviously adding or at least easing some of the tension in the food price if those prices are actually being passed on to uh, consumers and that's where we're seeing a bit of a struggle right now um, especially when you we look at some of these uh, these key products uh, if you look at obviously bread the the production of bread is is electricity and gas heavy that th- those prices have come down significantly wheat are down is down more than more than 50% from the highest last year. So um, we're still waiting as a consumers for for the uh, for the positive impact on on uh, these drops. All right, if we uh, switch back over to the equity market, Peter, um, earnings season still rumbling on. I'm, I'm still surprised by the number of companies that continue to report, uh, as we can see on this on slide A. But you have ahead of that, you know, on slide seven, you have some stocks you're watching today. Uh, one of the big ones, Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, what's your focus there? Yeah, it's Monday morning. It's not really, it's not really particularly that interesting. Uh, also, Berkshire Hathaway. You can say many things about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. I think they're quite uh, humorous and 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 a good listen uh, when they when they do interviews. But their financial statements and reports on, around Berkshire Hathaway are awfully boring. And uh, the the short the short clue here is just that they that they <clears throat> they reported a Q4 operating profit that missed estimates. There are a little bit of weakness in the railroad and the insurance business. There otherwise sound pretty upbeat on the uh, on the US economy and then he has a little bit of a of a spiel in the uh, in the Q4 earnings release Warren Buffett uh, over repurchases of, of of a company's own shares he said that the whole discussion is is wrong that it's it's it that repurchases of shares are, are wrong in all cases which he said is clearly not and if you uh, and people that say that are illiterate on, on financial matters and then we have a news out an MA news uh, Pfizer is apparently in early talks according to the Wall Street Journal to buy Seagen uh, which is a biotech firm uh, with a, a pipeline of um, drugs uh, within cancer um, and then maybe the more interesting story Tesla so we wrote last 
week that you know Tesla has made this very big bet on falling lithium prices, lithium carbonate prices to be precise. Um, that's why they have cut their prices by 20-25%. When you're running a gross margins of 25%, then you would think, okay, they're taking the margins to zero, but the most important input cost to their production, uh, lithium carbonate has come off 40% from that peak, uh, recent peak back in November last year, which you can see here on slide seven. But there are news out today in, in Bloomberg that uh, one of the uh, one of the largest production areas in in China is now being investigated by environmental regulators that have uh, have come from Beijing to um, do some supervision of the both mining and the refinery processes in this, and it's around eight thirteen percent estimated to be of, of global lithium production. So um, and prices have not fallen today for the first time in in uh, in a long period in the uh, in the Chinese lithium carbonate market. So. Um, Watch this one if you if you trade Tesla intraday. This is a really important thing to uh, to watch out for. But there's also this. I don't know how much your focus is on it, but there's a lot of noise that Tesla is drumming up, or at least Elon Musk is drumming up. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. March the first, uh, Tesla Day, or whatever the day was. They may be making some new announcements, and that could get the the Tesla community a bit uh, animal spirits going one way or the other. I, I don't know. It, it just was something I wanted to flag. Yeah, yeah. They, they, there's always this. Uh, Showmanship uh, with Elon Musk and the uh, and the uh, Tesla investor days. I, th I think it's uh, it's him trying to create the same day that uh, Steve Jobs always had with uh, with Apple. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the day where and I see your robot that is just uh, running around shaking hands and and, and looks credible. Um, all right, uh, slide eight. Um, the earnings watch. So we have Occidental Petroleum out up today, and Lee Auto and Zoom Video. Zoom Video being one of the pandemic winners. Um, always interesting. Uh, their growth has slowed down dramatically. Occidental Petroleum is this company that Berkshire Hathaway wants to take over. They have got the regulator's approval to to take over the company, um, and then Lee Auto. Um, I think is linked together with Neo, which reported on Wednesday with the whole EV uh, adoption curve just accelerating. I've put in our little chart here, um, and it looks like Q4 uh, battery electric vehicle deliveries fell in Q4. That's not the case. It's just because we are, we are still uh, missing the the figures from Volkswagen and Volkswagen and BMW, which will report those figures may, not this week, but I think the week after that. So then we'll we'll get the new numbers, and then they will show that we have. Uh, we are up 10x in uh, in EV deliveries from the seven uh, most important EV makers, I think. And then if you look ahead, um, we have uh, First Solar, Target. Uh, we also have Salesforce and Snowflake on Wednesday. That's the technology angle, if we said that, or we already said that on Friday. And then we have uh, some names as well on Thursday. But we'll go go through them as we progress through the week. Yeah, and on the macro calendar, as emphasized on Friday, interesting that uh, despite the Friday being March the 3rd, we don't have the U.S. jobs data until the following week, uh, perhaps because February is a slightly short month, whatever. We do have the ISMs, however, and that will be the focus together with some, uh, although it's it's going to be final. Uh, no, wait, it's the, uh, sorry, it's the initial readings for CPI, starting with uh, France and Spain tomorrow. Uh, and then we follow through with Germany uh, on Wednesday and th uh, Thursday. We get the years. So you know, if we get the... Uh, uh, concerns on, on inflation front uh, also here in Europe, and it Im impacts the ECB expectations. It will be important for uh, for the euro and possibly also for, for sentiment. Uh, but otherwise, the ICMs are the biggest uh, U.S. data up this week. And we also have a uh, the so-called two sessions. I'm not a, a guru on uh, the Chinese, uh, the machinations of the CCP and their, their various uh, uh, meetings, but it is, the two, uh, it is one of the key uh, seasons for political priority setting with this so-called two sessions. So we'll be watching for what the focus is there. 
in coming days, especially as mentioned, we have this important geopolitical backdrop going on. As well, look today, and it's not on the calendar, but look today for announcements around Brexit, um, a deal that is being engineered to figure out finally what is uh, you know the status and how they're going to, to, to work around this Northern Ireland uh, border issue. Uh, that could have some sterling upside depending on the nature of the announcement. I'm not sure the, the scale um, of the market impact, but it certainly could have uh, some important economic impacts uh, in coming uh, quarters and years, depending on how uh, what is announced here. So we'll watch for that and look at the market impact and, and wrap it up tomorrow as well. When we're back with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>